long spooky legends past, down through generations, to haunted locations that hold a ghostly past. Come one, come all, come blinders and seekers, hear the creepy side of Eva. Welcome to the creepy side of Nipa. I am Dan Kozlowski. Here we are with our second part of our two-part virtual summer campfire special. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone who submitted us a story. It was very tough to pick out a few of the stories that really give us a sense of what the Northeastern and Central Pennsylvania has to offer. Please don't stop sending your stories if you have a creepy paranormal story that happened to you in northeastern or central pennsylvania please send it to us our email address is ghost at wnep.com or you could reach us through the show's facebook page wnep's creepy side of nipa just wanted to let all of our listeners know we have some great things planned for this upcoming fall halloween season starting october we will do a new podcast episode every week every thursday in october so this is a perfect time to subscribe to our podcast and like us on facebook That way you'll always be informed on what we have planned and when we release a new episode. Enough with the introduction. Let's get started with tonight's virtual campfire. Come, get comfortable, gather around the fire, and listen to some of the creepiest stories Northeastern and Central Pennsylvania has to offer. Our first guest tonight is John. John is a state trooper out in Central Pennsylvania. He'd like to share with us a story, creepy story, that happened to him while he was on the job. Early 1990s, I was working a midnight shift with uh, Trooper Terry out of the Rockview Barracks in uh, Center County. Uh, sometime, it, it had to be a Saturday into a Sunday, uh, we were asked to assist uh, State Police Barracks at Phillipsburg. They were investigating a traffic fatality, and the victim lived in the town of Belfont. Now, Belfont has its own police department, but when the state police cover traffic fatalities, it is the state police who have to deliver the death notice to the next of kin. Mm-hmm. So since Belfont was closer to our territory than Phillipsburg's, our uh, unit was given the assignment to do it. And it's not something we like to do. You know, you knock on somebody's door in the middle of the night, you're waking them up, they're going to be scared seeing cops at their door, of and course. then boom, you, you got to give them this, this sad news. And you don't want to do it when they're alone. You want to make sure there's family present or a neighbor they can trust or even uh, a priest or a minister that can come and sit with them uh, while you're doing this. So we found the location. It was on East Bishop Street in Belfont, and Terry pulled up. He was driving that night, and we saw this man, an uh, elderly gentleman in the 60s. He's sitting on a porch swing, just going back and forth nice and slow, and he's smoking a cigarette. And you stated earlier, this is about 2 a.m.? Yeah, probably uh, after 2, whenever the bars closed. Back then, they used to close pretty late there in Center County. Okay. Okay, so... Uh, we're looking and we fear, well, okay, the husband's home, usually easier to deal with uh, than the than the mother. We walk up to the gentleman and he says she's in there and he gets up off the porch swing and walks around the side of the house. We're looking at each other like wondering why he didn't want to stick around and find out why the cops are at his door. Yeah, but odd. So we kind of felt weird at the time. So Terry knocked on the door, finally got the woman up. We got somebody up inside, and it was a, a woman in her 60s. She came to the door, and uh, we asked if she was alone, and she said, no, she lived with her son, but he was out. 
And uh, we're wondering, well, I know I'm wondering, what about the guy we just saw on the porch? Uh, so we asked if there's somebody that can come and be with her for a few moments because we had some bad news to tell her. So she called her next door neighbor and another elderly woman came over and we sat them down. Uh, Terry explained to the woman that her son had been killed in a car crash in Port Matilda. And we gave her the information, what trooper to call, uh, where the remains were taken and how to arrange to take care of the car. And she was all shook up, which is obvious. And we stayed there as long as necessary. If she had any more questions, she needed anything. And then when she was, uh, yeah, I, I guess when she realized it came, came to realization, it's, we're not making this up. Uh, we then, uh, took our, started to take our leave and the, uh, neighbor walked us out and you know, so wh where's the husband? Why, why couldn't he be here? And that's when the, uh, neighbor said, well, he died in a car crash a few years ago about the same location, just outside of Port Matilda. And I wanted to ask who was the guy sitting there, but I didn't want to start anything. Terry and I took our leave, went out, notified the barracks that the delivery was made so that they could release the name to the press. Uh, and we left. And every once in a while, the rest of that summer, we drove past that house in the middle of the night just to see if this guy was sitting on a porch swing again, and we never saw him. Your story is definitely interesting. It is one of the, it just gives me the creeps thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it, we, we, honestly, we never talked about it much after that. We would just look at the house, look at each other, and didn't say anything. In fact, I never said anything to anybody until my wife saw the response, your response to my email. When was the first time you told her? Yeah, she didn't even know about it. That's, you know, it's, it's like not something you really want to talk about because then people start wondering if you're having a problem, you know? Every time you get a story from law enforcement, it just gives it more credibility, I believe. Uh, I don't know. We're trained investigators. We're assigned to do a job. We do the job. But then there are some things you don't want to poke your nose in too far because you don't know where the heck it's going to lead. Exactly. Yep. Well, I'd like to thank you, John, for giving us a call and sharing that story with us tonight. Uh, you're welcome, Dan. If uh, you have any more questions, just give me a holler. Thank you very much. Have a good night. You too. Take care. Our next guest on the show is Laurel Zimmerman from Lehighton, who has an interesting story about something left behind in her grandparents' attic. My story starts um, a long time ago when I was merely five. My grandparents had just bought a new house and were moving into it. Um, as everyone was helping them move in, I being five, I, I couldn't really help very much, so I just kind of wandered around. Um, I entered um, what they eventually used as their living room, and I thought it was odd that there was this man that I didn't know sitting in a chair. And I approached the man, and he sort of just whisked away like he was made of mist. I didn't really say anything to anyone at the time. I just thought, you know, I was a kid, and I didn't understand what was going on. Of course. Um, as time went by, um, a lot of strange things began to happen in this house. Um, if we were downstairs in the living room, say, um, it sounded like 
there were doors slamming upstairs. We'd go upstairs. There's no one there. And while we're upstairs, the doors are slamming downstairs. So when we go downstairs again, there's absolutely no one there. Um, my aunt had a music room in the basement. She would practice. She played the flute and she would go down there and practice. And she would always hear people walking around upstairs. And when she'd come upstairs to see who was home, there was no one there. And one evening, um, my grandfather um, was doing some book work for his job um, downstairs and he thought he heard my aunt playing her flute down in the basement and thought it was really strange because she had to go to school in the morning. And um, she, he went upstairs to go to bed and he peeked into her bedroom and there she was fast asleep in her bed. So she was not practicing her flute. Very interesting. It seems like all the activity was on the opposite floor that the person would be on. Mostly, but there were times when we did actually see um, different um, figures or shapes. Um, I do remember vividly um, when I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight, I was visiting with my grandmother one evening and we were sitting in the living room and the lights kept flashing on and off. And um, I know my aunt would often stay up late at night watching television and then she would wake with a jolt because there was someone standing there by her. Um, she always made the statement that she wasn't necessarily scared of whatever this was that she saw, but she just was startled by it. Of course, you're not expecting it. Right, ex exactly. Um, when my grandparents moved into the house, there were these children's shoes, sort of like a, a leather uh, low-cut boot, like an old-time shoe, um, and it has metal braces attached to the shoe. They were hanging upstairs in the attic, and they left them there. They, they didn't want to disturb them, and we wonder if maybe that had something to do with some of the strange happenings in the house. I know that uh, my uncle's would go up there sometimes and kind of poke at them or prod at them. And on, on numerous occasions, uh, the next day or later that day, something would inevitably happen to either their ankles or their feet after they have been playing around with the shoes. And the shoes were left over by the previous owners, you said? We don't believe they were from the previous owner because the previous owner didn't have any children. So we have not been able to verify who the shoes actually belonged to. We're not sure um, if it would have been a servant um, who had a child because the house um, was a, a house of a wealthy person before my grandparents had it. Mm -hmm. And um, they had service people and we weren't sure if maybe they had belonged to a, a maid or something like that. But we were not able to verify my grandparents decided that they, they really just did not want to remove the shoes. They would just let them be. Right, especially since, like you said, your relatives would poke or bother with the shoes and something would inevitably happen to them sooner or later. 
Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, my uncle stepped in a rusty nail at one point, ended up having to get a tetanus shot. Um, he also sprained his ankle, and it was all after he had played around with the shoes a bit. It got to the point where no one went up to that room in the attic, and they just left them alone. Very interesting. Is the uh, house still in your family? It is not, no. It has been sold. I, I know it's had a, a lot of owners over the past 10 years or so. I know that the current owner is um, refurbishing it, so I'm not sure if the shoes are even still there. I know that one of the um, previous owners between when my grandparents lived there and now the current owner had it, um, the shoes were still there at the time and they left them alone, but they didn't live there for very long. They ended up moving out. I'm not exactly sure what the circumstances were in that, but I find it interesting that they kept the shoes there. Sure. It's definitely a very interesting story for sure. Absolutely. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show tonight and sharing that with us. Well, thank you for having me. Have a great night. You too. Thanks. Our next guest on the show tonight is Jada, who has a very interesting, actually a few interesting stories to share with us tonight. Welcome to the show, Jada. Thank you. When you sent us the email stating the stories that you had, you had some pretty interesting ones. They're not necessarily all ghost stories, but they're... They are definitely strange happenings. Yeah, it's um, almost like a premonition or like intuition. What are some of the intuitions that you had in the past? So um, I fell asleep one night and I was dreaming that I woke up on 209. And I'm talking about the 209 from New Philly going towards Tamaqua. Okay. And I was on the road. Um and I saw this big triaxle driving down the road and it flipped over and it hit into another truck and caused an accident while well, I was freaking out. I ran running down the highway and my team leader from work was there and I was screaming to her and I was begging her for help. And I said, there's a big accident. I said, there's a fire. I said, we have to go down there and help them. And she was just calm. And she said, it's okay. She said, we already have help on the way. She said, everything's okay. And I woke up and I was laying in bed and I started going through Facebook and I noticed on WNEP that that night there was a truck that crashed on 209 going towards Tamaqua. Oh, in the same exact area that you had in your dream? Yes. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, very, very weird. Anything um, else happened to you? Yeah, so this happened, I think, about two months ago. Um, I... I don't believe that this was sleep paralysis because I woke up and saw this. I was sleeping and I woke up and I looked straight up and there was this black, tall, skinny figure standing over me. I screamed and I woke my boyfriend up and I kept saying, there's somebody in the room. There's somebody in the room. Like I felt terrified. I felt like I couldn't breathe and I felt like I was about to throw up or pass out because I was just terrified. Like it felt somebody like somebody was in the room with me. Mm -hmm. um, he kept telling me to calm down. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, there's somebody in the room. So I was laying there for a couple of seconds, really still. And this was actually, this was longer than a couple months ago because it was before it got hot out. So we didn't have the AC on yet, but the AC was left in the window. Okay. So the vents 
and the AC started cracking. And I didn't know what else to do. Like my other psychic groups say that if there's a dark presence in your house to tell it to get out. So I yelled at it and I said, get out of the house. I said, if there's any dark presence in here, I said, you need to leave now. And um, the next day I had to sage my house because I was that scared that there was something in there. Did you see something that night? That, um, not after that, but when I woke up, it was just that big, tall, black figure and it, it was skinny. Was it kind of like a shadow figure? Yeah. Um, it was just like the outline right. of like a man, but it was really tall and skinny. Definitely wouldn't have scared me, especially <laughs> if I was sleeping and woke up to that. <laughs> Definitely. I hope I don't see it again. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else happened since then? Or once you did that to the house, it sort of just went away and once you yelled at it? Yeah, I think um, nothing else crazy happened. Um, I could still, I mean, I could sometimes feel something in the hallway and I can't really explain that there's any, something specific happened, but I just, I I don't know what what it is with the hallway. It just feels like there's something there. Yeah, someone watching you, some kind of presence like that. Yes. Yes. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your stories with us tonight. Thank you. Did you like us on Facebook? What are you waiting for? It's almost October. That is the best place to get the most current information on the podcast. Our page name is WNAP's Creepy Side of NEPA. Seems like we have enough time for one more guest on the show tonight. Our next guest is Kimberly from Sugarloaf, PA, who has a string of interesting stories to share with us. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. No problem. Actually, when you submitted your stories, you don't actually just have ghost stories, which uh, sparked my interest just a little bit. You had other stories also. Yes. Um, Well, I can tell you about um, the ferry that I had shown you a picture of. Um, We were upstate New York, and we were at a spiritual community where they have a ferry trail. And we were walking along taking pictures one evening. And what when exactly at, is a fairy trail? <laughs> well, it's it's a really nice spiritualist community in New York where they have different, um, you know, it's really nice. They have a lot of nature, you know, they have a lake. And they have this trail dedicated to the fairies because spiritualists believe in all living beings. And, you know, it was really, it was really cute. They decorate it with fairy houses and different things for fairies. And fairies like sparkle. So you'll see a lot of sparkle things along the trail. And we were just walking, taking pictures of the trail. And when I looked back in my pictures, that one looked like a fairy. And here we caught it on our camera. Yeah, you posted that picture on our Facebook page. What we'll do is make that a public post. And then everyone that's listening right now could go on to WNEP's creepy site of NEPA and see the picture for yourself. Yes, because it's really neat. <laughs> um, it's hard. It was hard to see it with your eye, but when we were taking it through the camera, you could, you could really see it later, you know, because they just look like lights when you're just looking around. Mm-hmm. But in the camera, it really looked, you can see that it really looks like a fairy. Um, another good story from that place we go is um, it's a spiritualist community, and they have a really special spot in the woods. Um, it's the oldest woods in New York State. It's called Leolian Woods. And um, we were walking there at about 10, 30, 11 at night to go down to this spot that we always go to see a lot of spirit activity. Mm-hmm. And when we were walking, it's really dark. There's not a lot of lights. We use flashlights to walk down this path. 
And we were just walking and we were taking at that time, we had brought my um, cousin's son and my children with us and a friend of mine. And we were just walking down um, past, they have a pet cemetery. So we were passing the pet cemetery and all of a sudden we were walking and I felt this ice cold swoosh of air behind me. And I just thought, what was that? And I looked to my left and behind me. And there was this woman, a spirit. She was a ghost. Um, she had this white face with black eyes. And she had this, like, open mouth and just walking with her arms back and forth. And her bl- she had this black hair just kind of out. Just It was crazy hair. Yeah. And it scared me. And that's when I screamed. And I usually see ghosts. So to me, this was shocking. I didn't expect it. And I ran. And my friend that was with me said, oh, my God, take a picture, take a picture. So my my niece, my cousin's son decided to turn around and hurry up, flash a couple pictures. And that's the other picture I showed you was the one that looks like the skull. He actually caught her skull on camera. Once again, we will make that picture posted on our Facebook page for everyone to see it because that is one of the creepier pictures that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was scary. And I mean, I've seen spirits my whole life and that scared me. And we took off down that path. And of course, <laughs> I don't blame you. Get away from <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and that night we did see a lot of spirit activity. Um, you know, it was it's just but it's not it's not always scary. But that one was a little bit scary because it was unexpected. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you're not expecting something like that. Um, another time I could think of that was kind of a scary one was I was in my um, childhood home and I was watching a movie in the living room by myself. Um, it was later. So people, you know, my sisters and mother were in bed and I started to see this black kind of figure appear in the next room. And I kind of looked down into the room and he started to walk. It was a man. It was a male figure, but it was very, very black and dark. And he started to walk towards me and then he stopped and he looked very, it was just like a lot of dark blackness and um, kind of like a shadow man. And then it just was, it gave me the scariest feeling and creepy and it scared me. Um, And he just decided to walk down. He opened the door to our steps to the basement and walked down the basement. And I would not leave that living room to go upstairs. I wouldn't go to bed. I stayed I said, I'm going to sleep here. On the, I kept the lights on, the TV on. My dad came home from work and said, why aren't you upstairs sleeping? I said, oh, I'm not walking past that door. And I told him what happened. He brought the baseball bat down, like, where? And I said, well, <laughs> I, don't I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> but it was scary. Yeah, and it seems to be happening your whole life. You've seen things like this? Yes, my whole life. Um, I've seen light, dark energy, um, you know, sometimes they're scary. Sometimes they're angels or, um, you know, just very ghostly appearances, but they're not scary. I always, when I would see a figure or, you know, depending on if it's that dark shadow, I would get a dark, scary feeling. Um, if it's like more light and more of a apparition or like more light energy, I always would get a lighter feel and I wouldn't be afraid. So I felt like that was showing me the difference between the energy. Right, of course. The one story you were telling me before caught my interest of the vision you had on the railroad track? Yes. We were at a playground, my sister and I, and we were walking home, and we walked by the railroad tracks. And I looked over, and there was a man shot and bleeding and laying there. So we walked over, and he was just laying there, and he looked at me, and he told me his name. 
and I was like, oh my God, we got to get him help. So we hurried up and ran home. And I told my mom, you know, everything that happened. And she says, okay. And my my dad got a baseball bat. He, <laughs> he seems to always go for the bat, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we walked down, showed him exactly where this man was laying there bleeding. And he wasn't there. There was no blood. There was no, there wasn't anything there. And it was, I mean, he, I saw where he was shot, what he was wearing. He told me his name. And when um, we couldn't find him, uh, my dad was mad because we wasted his time. We got back home and my mother I sat down with my mother because these stories happened a lot as a child. Mm-hmm. So she said, okay, let me get the notebook out. She kept a notebook of all of these things that happened through my life. And I was about eight or 10 this time. And um, she got the notebook out. She wrote down everything that I told her, his name, uh, where he was shot, what he was wearing, uh, where he was on the railroad track, stuff like that. And a week later, my dad came home from work through the newspaper on the t- on the table and said to my mother, "You need to do something with your daughter." Um, it freaked him out. He didn't he didn't want to know anything. He was freaked out. When she read the paper, it was the same man I told her a week before. He was shot and killed where we said, and his name was the name that. And she got the notebook out to confirm it, and it was the name I told her. It was he was shot where I told her everything. And, you know, that's when she really knew there was something going on. I can actually understand your father being a little freaked out by that whole story. Yeah, because it, it happened a lot. <laughs> so he was a little freaked every time. Like I saw my um, my bus driver when I was in junior high, I guess I was seventh grade. And um, I saw him standing in the um, alleyway and he told me that he was dead. And I was crying. I came home crying. And this was about, I don't know, four or five in the afternoon. And my mom was like, he's not. He was just, you just saw him. He's your bus driver. And I said, I'm telling you, mom, he's, he was stabbed. He's dead. And I was crying. And she tried to console me and tell me it was just, I was, you know, imagining things. The next day we found out he was actually stabbed and killed. And he was my favorite bus driver. Yeah. And it seems like you're always dead on with your predictions, I guess they would be. Yeah, it was it was scary though as a child because you didn't understand it, you know. Of course. Just, especially when it was someone you liked. Like I really loved my bus driver. He was the favorite. We all loved him, and he was a great guy. He was younger, you know, early maybe early twenties. He was younger, and he was just so much fun. And for that to happen, you know, it just it was shocking. But my mother again was like, "Oh, here we go again." <laughs> so it happened often. Um, I don't know. I have like so many I could think of because it happened so much to me. Um, I would just, you well, know. We have time for one or two more if you have one or two more you could think of. <laughs> um, I, I could think of a really different one. Um, it was before I really understood what mediumship was and understood things with energy. Um, I had moved away and I was with friends and we decided to have, um, we met at this one apartment and we decided to exchange jewelry. Um, back then it was a thing, you know, if you got sick of your jewelry, we t- we bring the jewelry that you don't wear anymore. And everybody would look at the pieces and exchange jewelry. Okay. So we, so we did that. And I really liked this one ring from this girl. And I was, you know, I was drawn to it. So I put that on and I was wearing it. And we, and then a couple other people came over and said, oh, why don't we, we're just hanging out. And they decided, why don't we have a seance? Because it was October. It was that time of year. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, let's have a seance. So we, we decided to set up the table and, you know, burn a candle in the middle and turn the lights off. So 
So we all held hands and the one girl was saying, you know, if there's any spirits, please come forward. You know, and she's talking and um, the candle in the middle started to kind of go up really high in flames and then back down. It was like dancing and it was going up really high. And um, we decided to close our eyes because maybe the spirits will come more. You know, we didn't know what we were doing. But all of a sudden, I felt a cold rush by my right shoulder. And I heard a man talk to me. In my, he said, hello, how are you? And it scared. I turned, I opened my eyes, and there was no man next to me. There was only girls on both sides of me. And it freaked me out. And here, um, he told me his name. And when I said to them, he said this name this girl next to me started crying here it was her her uncle or grandfather that like had passed away a week before and she was so freaked out and so scared and so upset and then i realized i had her ring on oh okay so i feel like and now that i'm older i know more about energy i was wearing her ring so it was connecting me to her i was holding her hand so i feel like maybe that's why he came and i heard him but it was really, you know, at that time, you're kind of freaked out. It was Halloween, you know, the, the candles going, yep. you know, in the atmosphere we had there. no idea what was going on, <laughs> but it was scary. But it also, you know, I felt bad because she was really upset and that, that really put a damper on the evening. <laughs> right. But it was something you definitely were not expecting. No, 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 not at all. Um, and I was kind of scared because I didn't understand why I was hearing him talk and they weren't. I was like, well, how come I can hear him? How come you can't? <laughs> of course. Uh, so yep. it was a little freaky. It was a little freaky, but it, it was, you know, that was unexpected. Um, I'm, I'm just trying to think because there's so many. <laughs> um, we have time for one more if you have one more. Oh, I have a really good one. Um, and I was working um, in a mall I was um, getting a, a drink at the store next to where I worked, and a man came up to me and said, oh, I love these, love your curls. Um, and I looked, and he just had this weird smile, and he left. And every so often I would be working, and we had a big window where we worked, and I'd see him walk by and smile. And every time I'd go to get somebody I worked with, I said, this man is so creepy, you have to see him. And every time I get somebody, he's gone. And I kept telling my coworkers, I'm telling you this man. And, you know, I would tell them about him because I'd see him all the time when I worked. No one would see him. So I was the only one that saw him. And then um, I started, I, I had a dream the one night. And I had a dream. And this man was in my dream. And he took me flying out the window to show me this cemetery. And at the cemetery, there was a headstone of his name. I guess I didn't know it was his name at the time, but it was right. a name. And I thought that was really weird. And then I, when I woke up, my window was open, which when I went to bed, my window was closed. And I, I will never, ever forget that. Um, yeah, that, so, that is very odd, especially waking up and your window open. That would Well, right. So I don't know if I was sleepwalking. You know, you don't know. But right. it was really weird. Yep. It was a little scary. And why was this guy I saw at the mall? You know, why is he in my dream? And you saw him multiple times at the mall, you said? Yes. And... I told my friend about this, this dream, because this, you know, cemetery, the whole thing. And I told him the name and he was from the area where this man was from. He knew of this man and he said, oh, my gosh, you know, so we went to look, um, look up some information on on this. You know, how am I dreaming and how's this guy in my dream, all that kind of stuff. And when we went to go look it up at the library the night before, this was in the Wilkes-Barre library, okay. um, the night before, 
the lady came over and we were in the new age or whatever that section was and the lady said can we help you and we're like well we're looking for these kind of books you know i guess for dreams and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and she said well the weirdest thing is last night people broke in and stole most of the section that we were looking in so i thought that was really weird but then when we sat down she gave us a stack of books and said we'll look through these so we started to look through and my friend said to me you need to sit down i said okay and he showed me the picture of a picture of a man on the back of this book and i said oh my gosh that's him it was the man that i saw in my dream and he goes are you sure this is him and i said oh yeah i'm 100 like i knew it was him he was even wearing the plaid shirt in the picture that i saw him in my dream and i saw him at the mall and he said well he died and it was like he died like i don't know maybe seven years earlier than when we were looking at the book and i said that can't be i just saw him at the mall yeah right exactly so, so it was a little freaky because i saw a dead guy and um we started to do research on him then and we did go to the cemetery then well my friend went first because I was scared, and I thought, this is weird. This man is in my dreams. I see him, you know, it's creepy. Of course, yep. So, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. So he went first, and he said, yes, I walked the way you told me the night that he took you in the dream. And he walked the way I told him. I, You know, I drew it out for him. And he said, it goes to his headstone in in the cemetery. And that he is buried there, and it says... It, it's on his tombstone. It says, "Like I will walk again to live among the among the living, or something." So he always, supposedly in his life, always told people he will come back and he will walk among us. Well, and, I guess he was telling the truth. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, and then we just did more research on him. Found out he was a doctor and he was very, very intelligent. But he was known to dabble in the occult, and he had a lot of, you know people in his occult and you know his little cult or whatever he did and um so it was a little creepy but i never understood why i had to see him why he visited me why it's just weird so that was a little bit creepy and when you said his pictures on the back of the book did he write the book you happen to be looking at yes yes he did um he wrote the book that's um, an even bigger coincidence that you actually were looking at his book right after that dream happened exactly it's the way it worked it was very weird <laughs> it's creepy um and also the book that we found was actually the devil and it was actually about the devil and god making a pact and, and they were trying the whole book was written weird like the devil and god were back and forth talking and the devil was like I, about these college kids and that he's going to get them on his side and god said no i'm gonna yeah it was weird it was like they were back and forth trying to get people on their side and actually in the end of the book the devil won so that was very creepy yeah <laughs> it was a very creepy book the whole story seems a little creepy to be honest with you <laughs> Yeah. Kind of gives me the chills. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, he he did come a few times after um, and bothered me a little bit in spirit. Um, but I learned to set boundaries, learned to understand and tell him to leave, and he's not welcome. So, you know, again, with the spirit world, you can tell them to, you know, you set your boundaries and say, you know, you're not welcome. Um, but, yeah, that was scary. That was a scary time because I didn't know I could tell him to leave and he would listen. Right. You, you know, didn't know what to you, do. You, you think spirits are the boss or the ghosts are the boss, but really we can tell them to leave and, you know, they have to listen. Well, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the show and sharing those very good stories, interesting stories. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening to the second part of our virtual campfire here on the creepy side of NEPA. If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one, it's still available online. Our next episode is set to come out the 1st of October, which should be the first Thursday. We also have other episodes planned to come out every Thursday throughout the month of October. Remember, if you have any creepy stories you would like to share that took place in northeastern or central Pennsylvania, send us an email. Our email address is ghost at wnep.com. You could also contact us through our Facebook page, WNEP's Creepy Side of NEPA. Thank you for listening, and as always, enjoy the creepy side of NEPA. This has been the creepy side of NEPA. If you have a spooky story that took place in northeastern or central Pennsylvania, send it to ghost at WNEP.com for your chance to share it on an upcoming episode. We're dying to hear from you. Ha <laughs>